Act Four of As You Like It. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. As You Like It by William Shakespeare. Act Four. Scene One The Forest. Enter Rosalind, Celia, and Jaques. I prithee, pretty youth, let me be better acquainted with thee. I say you are a melancholy fellow. I am so. I do love it better than laughing. Those that are in extremity of either are abominable fellows, and betray themselves to every modern censure worse than drunkards. Why, tis good to be sad and say nothing. Why, then tis good to be a post. I have neither the scholar's melancholy, which is emulation, nor the musician's, which is fantastical, nor the courtier's, which is proud, nor the soldier's, which is ambitious, nor the lawyer's, which is politic, nor the ladies, which is nice, nor the lovers, which is all these. But it is a melancholy of mine own, compounded of many simples, extracted from many objects, and indeed the sundry's contemplation of my travels, in which my often rumination wraps me in a most humorous sadness. A traveller! By my faith you have great reason to be sad. I fear you have sold your own lands to see other men's. Why, then, to have seen much, and to have nothing, is to have rich eyes and poor hands. Yes, I have gained my experience. And your experience makes you sad. I had rather have a fool to make me merry than experience to make me sad, and to travel for it, too. Enter Orlando. Good day and happiness, dear Rosalind. Nay, then, God be with you, and you talk in blank verse. Exit. Farewell, Monsieur Traveller. Look you lisp and wear strange suits, disable all the benefits of your own country, be out of love with your nativity, and almost chide God for making you the countenance that you are, or I will scarce think you have swam in a gondola. Why, how now, Orlando? Where have you been all this while? You a lover, and you serve me such another trick, never come in my sight more. My fair Rosalind, I come within an hour of my promise. Break an hour's promise in love? He that will divide a minute into a thousand parts, and break but a part of the thousandth part of a minute in the affairs of love, it may be said of him that Cupid hath clapped him o' the shoulder, but I'll warrant him heart-whole. Pardon me, dear Rosalind. Nay, and you be so tardy, come no more in my sight. I'd as lief be wooed of a snail. Of a snail? Ay, of a snail. For though he comes slowly, he carries his house on his head. A better jointure, I think, than you make a woman. Besides— he brings his destiny with him. What's that? Why, horns, which such as you are fain to be beholden to your wives for. But he comes armed in his fortune and prevents the slander of his wife. Virtue is no horn-maker, and my Rosalind is virtuous. And I am your Rosalind. It pleases him to call you so, but he hath a Rosalind of a better leer than you. Come, woo me, woo me, for now I am in a holiday humour and like enough to consent. What would you say to me now, if I were your very, very Rosalind? I would kiss before I spoke. Nay, you were better speak first, and when you were graveled for lack of matter, you might take occasion to kiss. Very good orators, when they are out, they will spit. And for lovers lacking, God warn us, matter, the cleanliest shift is to kiss. How if the kiss be denied? Then she puts you to entreaty, and there begins new matter. Who could be out, being before his beloved mistress? Mary, that should you, if I were your mistress, or I should think my honesty ranker than my wit. What of my suit? Not out of your apparel, and yet out of your suit. 
Am I not your Rosalind? I take some joy to say you are, for I would be talking of her. Well, in her person, I say, I will not have you. Then in mine own person I die. No, faith, die by attorney. The poor world is almost six thousand years old, and in all this time there was not any man died in his own person, videlicet, in a love cause. Troilus had his brains dashed out with a Grecian club, yet he did what he could to die before, and he is one of the patterns of love. Leander, he would have lived many a fair year, though Hero had turned none, if it had not been for a hot midsummer night. For good youth he went but forth to wash him in the Hellespont, and being taken with the cramp was drowned, and the foolish coroners of that age found it was Hero of Sestos. But these are all lies. Men have died from time to time, and worms have eaten them but not for love. I would not have my right, Rosalind, of this mind, for I protest her frown might kill me. By this hand it will not kill a fly. But come, now I will be your Rosalind in a more coming-on disposition, and ask me what you will, I will grant it. Then love me, Rosalind. Yes, faith, will I, Fridays and Saturdays and all. And wilt thou have me? Ay, and twenty such. What sayest thou? Are you not good? I hope so. Why, then? Can one desire too much of a good thing? Come, sister, you shall be the priest and marry us. Give me your hand, Orlando. What do you say, sister? Pray thee, marry us. I cannot say the words. You must begin, will you, Orlando? Go to. Will you, Orlando, have to wife this Rosalind? I will. Ay, but when? Why now, as fast as she can marry us. Then you must say, I take thee, Rosalind, for wife. I take thee, Rosalind, for wife. I might ask you for your commission, but I do take thee, Orlando, for my husband. There's a girl goes before the priest, and certainly a woman's thought runs before her actions. So do all thoughts. They are winged. Now, tell me how long you would have her, after you have possessed her. Forever. And a day. Say a day, without the ever. No, no, Orlando, men are April when they woo, December when they wed. Maids are May when they are maids, but the sky changes when they are wives. I will be more jealous of you than a Barbary cock-pigeon over his hen, more clamorous than a parrot against rain, more newfangled than an ape, more giddy in my desires than a monkey. I will weep for nothing, like Diana in the fountain, and I will do that when you are disposed to be merry. I will laugh like a hyena, and that when thou art inclined to sleep. But will my Rosalind do so? By my life she will do as I do. Oh, but she is wise. Or else she could not have the wit to do this, the wiser the waywarder. Make the doors upon a woman's wit, and it will out at the casement. Shut that, and twill out at the keyhole. Stop that, twill out with the smoke at the chimney. A man that had a wife with such a wit, he might say, wit, whither wilt? Nay, you might keep that check for it till you met your wife's wit going to your neighbor's bed. And what wit could wit have to excuse that? Marry to say that she came to seek you there. You shall never take her without her answer unless you take her without her tongue. Oh, the woman that cannot make her fault her husband's occasion, let her never nurse her child herself, for she will breed it like a fool. For these two hours, Rosalind, I will leave thee. Alas, dear love, I cannot lack thee two hours. I must attend the duke at dinner. By two o'clock I will be with thee again. Ay, go your ways, go your ways. I knew what you would prove. My friends told me as much, and I thought no less. That flattering tongue of yours won me. 
"'Tis but one cast away, and so come death. Two o'clock is your hour? Aye, sweet Rosalind. By my troth, and in good earnest, and so God mend me, and by all pretty oaths that are not dangerous, if you break one jot of your promise, or come one minute behind your hour, I will think you the most pathetical break promise, and the most hollow lover, and the most unworthy of her you call Rosalind, that may be chosen out of the gross band of the unfaithful. Therefore, beware my censure, and keep your promise. With no less religion than if thou wert indeed, my Rosalind, so adieu. Well, time is the old justice that examines all such offenders, and let time try. Adieu. Exit Orlando. You have simply misused our sex in your love-prate. We must have your doublet and hose plucked over your head and show the world what the bird hath done to her own nest. <laughs> oh, cuz, 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 my pretty little cuz, that thou didst know how many fathom deep I am in love. But it cannot be sounded. My affection hath an unknown bottom, like the Bay of Portugal. Or rather bottomless, that as fast as you pour affection in, it runs out. No, that same wicked bastard of Venus that was begot of thought, conceived of spleen, and born of madness, that blind, rascally boy that abuses everyone's eyes because his own are out. Let him be judge how deep I am in love. I'll tell the alien I cannot be out of the sight of Orlando. I'll go find a shadow and sigh till he come. And I'll sleep. Exeunt. Scene two, The Forest. Enter Jaques, Lords, and Foresters. Which is he that killed the deer? Sir, it was I. Let's present him to the duke like a Roman conqueror, and it would do well to set the deer's horns upon his head for a branch of victory. Have you no song, Forester, for this purpose? Yes, sir. Sing it. Tis no matter how it be in tune, so it make noise enough. What shall we have that killed the deer, his leather skin and horns, to will and sing him home? The rush shall bear this burden. Take thou no scorn to wear the horn, it was a crest ere thou wast born. Thy father's father wore it, and thy father bore it. The horn, the horn, the lusty horn, is not a thing to laugh to scorn. Exeunt. Scene three, the forest. Enter Rosalind and Celia. How say you now? Is it not past two o'clock? And here much Orlando. I warrant you, with pure love and troubled brain, he has ta'en his bow and arrows, and is gone forth to sleep. Look, who comes here? Enter Silvius. My errand is to you, fair youth. My gentle Phoebe bid me give you this. I know not the contents, but as I guess by the stern brow and waspish action which she did use as she was writing of it, it bears an angry tenor. Pardon me, I am but as a guiltless messenger. Patience herself would startle at this letter and play the swaggerer. Bear this bear all. She says I am not fair, that I lack manners. She calls me proud, and that she could not love me, where man is rare as phoenix. What's my will? Her love is not the hair that I do hunt. Why writes she so to me? Well, Shepherd, well, this is a letter of your own device. No, I protest, I know not the contents. Phoebe did write it. Come, come, you are a fool and turned into the extremity of love. I saw her hand, she has a leathern hand. 
A freestone-colored hand. I verily did think that her old gloves were on, but t'was her hand. She has a huswife's hand. But that's no matter. I say she never did invent this letter. This is a man's invention and his hand. Sure it is hers. Why, tis a boisterous and a cruel style, a style for challengers. Why, she defies me like Turk to Christian. Women's gentle brain could not drop forth such giant rude inventions, such Ethiop words, blacker in their effect than in their countenance. Will you hear the letter? So please you, for I never heard it yet, yet heard too much of Phoebe's cruelty. She Phoebe's me. Mark how the tyrant writes. Reads. Art thou God, to shepherd turned, that a maiden's heart hath burned? Can a woman rail thus? Call you this railing? Reads. Why, thy godhead laid apart, worst thou with a woman's heart? Did you ever hear such railing? Whiles the eye of man did woo me, that could do no vengeance to me. Meaning me a beast. If the scorn of your bright eyne have power to raise such love in mine, Alack, in me what strange effect would they work in mild aspect? Whiles you chid me, I did love. How then might your prayers move? He that brings this love to thee, little knows this love in me. And by him seal up thy mind, whether that thy youth and kind will the faithful offer take of me, and all that I can make. Or else by him my love deny, and then I'll study how to die. Call you this chiding? Alas, poor shepherd! Do you pity him? No, he deserves no pity. Wilt thou love such a woman? What, to make thee an instrument and play false strains upon thee? Not to be endured. Well, go your way to her, for I see love hath made thee a tame snake. And say this to her, that if she love me, I charge her to love thee. If she will not, I will never have her unless thou entreat for her. If you be a true lover, hence, and not a word. Here comes more company. Exit Silvius. Enter Oliver. Good morrow, fair ones. Pray you, if you know, where in the purlieus of this forest stands a sheepcote fenced about with olive trees? West of this place, down in the neighbour bottom. The rank of osiers by the murmuring stream left on your right hand brings you to the place. But at this hour the house doth keep itself, there's none within. If that an eye may profit by a tongue, then should I know you by description. Such garments and such years, the boy is fair, of female favour, and bestows himself like a ripe sister, the woman low and browner than her brother. Are not you the owner of the house I did inquire for? It is no boast, being asked, to say we are. Orlando doth commend him to you both, and to that youth he calls his Rosalind, he sends this bloody napkin— are you he? I am. What must we understand by this? Some of my shame, if you will know of me what man I am, and how, and why, and where this kerchief was stained. I pray you tell it. When last the young Orlando parted from you, he left a promise to return again within an hour, and pacing through the forest, chewing the food of sweet and bitter fancy, lo, what befell. He threw his eye aside, and mark what object did present itself. Under an oak, whose boughs were mossed with age, and high top-balled with dry antiquity, a wretched, ragged man, all grown with hair, lay sleeping on his back. About his neck a green and gilded snake had wreathed itself, who, with her head nimble in threats, approached the opening of his mouth, but suddenly, seeing Orlando, it unlinked itself, 
and with intended glides did slip away into a bush, under which bushes shade a lioness with udders all drawn dry lay couching, head on the ground with cat-like watch. When that the sleeping man should stir, for tis the royal disposition of that beast to prey on nothing that doth seem as dead. This scene Orlando did approach the man, and found it was his brother, his elder brother. Oh, I have heard him speak of that same brother, and he did render him the most unnatural that lived amongst men. And well he might so do, for well I know he was unnatural. But to Orlando, did he leave him there, food to the sucked and hungry lioness? Twice did he turn his back and purposed so, but kindness nobler ever than revenge, and nature stronger than his just occasion, made him give battle to the lioness, who quickly fell before him, in which hurtling from miserable slumber I awakened. Are you his brother? Was't you he rescued? Was't you that did so oft contrive to kill him? T'was I, but tis not I. I do not shame to tell you what I was, since my conversion so sweetly tastes being the thing I am. But for the bloody napkin— by and by, when from the first to last betwixt us two our tears recountments had most kindly bathed, as how I came into that desert place, in brief he led me to the gentle duke, who gave me fresh array and entertainment, committing me unto my brother's love, who led me instantly unto his cave, there stripped himself, and here upon his arm the lioness had torn some flesh away which all the while had bled, and now he fainted, and cried in fainting upon Rosalind. Brief I recovered him, bound up his wound, and after some small space, being strong at heart, he sent me hither, stranger as I am, to tell the story that you might excuse his broken promise, and to give the napkin dyed in his blood unto the shepherd youth that in his sport he doth call his Rosalind. Rosalind swoons. Why, how now, Ganymede? Sweet Ganymede. Many will swoon when they do look on blood. There is more in it. Cousin Ganymede. Look, he recovers. I would I were at home. We'll lead you thither. I pray you, will you take him by the arm? Be of good cheer, youth. You are man. You lack a man's heart. I do so, I confess it. Ah, sirrah, a body would think this was well counterfeited. I pray you, tell your brother how well I counterfeited. Hey ho! <laughs> this was not counterfeit. There is too great testimony in your complexion that was a passion of earnest. Counterfeit, I assure you. Well, then, take good heart and counterfeit to be a man. So I do, but in faith I should have been a woman by right. Come, you look paler and paler. Pray you, draw homewards. Good sir, go with us. That will I, for I must bear answer back how you excuse my brother, Rosalind. I shall devise something, but I pray you, commend my counterfeiting to it. Will you go? Exeunt. End of Act 4